back to the In Living Spanglish podcast. I am your host, in your chingona of cheer, Vero Fuerte. And here with me, of course, is my co-host, Ricardo Mexicano. What do you want your uh, your Christmas moniker to be? Oh, Mr. Navi Daddy. I love that. Yes. Okay. All right. So here we are. Um, it is the first week of December. Uh, so we are full out, full fledged in the Christmas spirit. But uh, more than anything else, we are in the Selena spirit. Yes. Yes. Um, and uh, that being said, actually, this episode is going to be uh, different than uh, our regular ones. This week is going to be a special edition with uh, Selena the series premiering on Netflix. We are going to take a deep dive on what me and Ricardo know um, about the singer, the star, the myth, the legend. Yeah, and uh, this uh, this episode is also sponsored by Topo Chico. No, I'm kidding. No, uh, if it's, only. It's, it's if not. Only. It, it, and that Valentina. Would like, that would be the ultimate, um, like, I guess, trifecta. Like, sponsored by Valentina, uh, Topo Chico, and we're talking about Selena. I, yes. mean, like, you could, I mean, could you get more, I guess, Mexican than that? No, no, you, you I don't really think can't. so at all. You couldn't at that point. Nah, we, we would be... Uh, skyrocketing with money and sponsorship but yeah Topo Chico cut the check if you ever listen to this hopefully one day somebody at Topo Chico USA Topo, that is uh, um, what's our email again in living English at gmail.com Topo Chico exactly hit, come hit, hit us up yeah hit us up yes yes so okay so with Selena the series uh, we wanted to go ahead and uh, break it up into uh, parts the first that we want to go ahead and get into is our initial thoughts and of course, uh, we can get into the characters of all that. I mean, and if honestly, if you're listening to this podcast right now in Living Spanglish, I assume that you know who Selena is. If not, you've been living under a rock. But um, uh, basically, uh, this is just a life in the history of, you know, a uh, rising star that grew up here in Texas. And, uh, you know, she was uh, tragically murdered at 23 years old. And, um, you know, she she's a pillar of someone of great influence, not just in like fashion and her looks, but also what she represented for our community. And it's just really cool to see. Uh, I have to say it out loud. It's really cool to see that some a, a company as big as Netflix is finally showing out and actually paying attention to a lot of our icons, especially like one of our biggest, more uh, mainstream ones. So it's really awesome. Yeah, yeah, it is uh, very important for the representation of people who, you know, may not feel like they can see themselves in a, even on the smaller screen, you know, somebody as impactful and important as Selena, who not just, you know, definitely made a splash in the Hispanic community, the Latinx community and all that, but, you know, was able to really cross over into like, you know, anybody can enjoy music. And, you know, you, you just bringing up the number 23 just still since chill just how young mm, yeah. she was and like how much she was able to do in that short amount of time mm-hmm. is insane and it just really speaks to the person she was and just how I'm not saying she didn't work hard but she just made it look easy yeah a lot of times so she, she really did she really did uh but okay so uh first thoughts on the Selena series. Now, um, you and I watched it, Ricardo, the moment basically that it came out. We were, I was actually planning on like catching a couple of episodes right at midnight, but like, let's be honest, like, I can't stay up that it premiered, late. It premiered Friday, December 4th. December 4th, this Friday, yeah. Did we watch it Friday? 
We no, watch we Friday. watched it Friday. We watched it Friday, but I was planning on like watching it like Friday midnight, like Thursday night, twelve a.m. Oh, but you know, right, I'm a right. I'm a grandma, right. so yeah, I can yeah, never yeah. If, like, in, wait if y'all long. don't know, um, Veronica Vettel, she is like one of the most inexperienced. Uh, definitely not nocturnal. Uh, mm-hmm. definitely a uh, a day kind of person. Uh, all that, all that, uh, all that myth about by ten, by Mm ten, she is like ready to go into a rocking chair and uh, and just snooze my life away. Yeah, just snooze my life away, and then wake up in the middle of the night because she's like thinking about too many things in her head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the whole myth about like creatives like staying up and burning the midnight oil is all bullshit. Human beings, okay? True creatives get a decent amount of sleep, like any other regular human being. But I digress. You listen to too many grinded out videos. I know that's what I'm saying. You guys need us all at seven hours of sleep. What, okay. what, ha- what happened to the uh, the you know oh you know sleep is for the dead kind of kind of mentality? No, 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 no. <laughs> Mental health, broski. Mental health. But I think, okay. I think all that is bullcrap, by the way. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Right, right. There's no, there's no one way to be creative, guys. Okay, but any hoosies. Um, all right. So with uh the premiere that we caught um on Friday during the day. M- I was very, very excited about it, uh, but I'll be honest, like, I was sort of taken aback by the first couple of episodes. Um, the way that it's chronicled, basically, um, it starts off with, um, of course, Selena the child and, you know, just how uh, her father discovers that she has this, like, crazy on-pitch voice and her timing is perfect and this, that, and the other. And so that's what the first couple of episodes are about is her as a kid and her uh, brother and her sister and, uh, and their life in Texas. And... I mean, it, it's uh, it goes as far as to say I, I keep forgetting Susie Crabgrass's name. What is her name? Christina. Uh, Christina Serrato. Christina Serrato. Okay, so Christina Serrato is uh, the person that actually plays Selena, and so of course most people will know her from like some people will know her from Twilight and Walking Dead. Like the real, real ones will know her uh, know her from Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to cut straight to the chase, uh, episode one is terrible in my opinion. I think. Mm-hmm. Episode one is probably the worst episode out of all. Uh, out There's of the only nine, nine. Yeah, out of the nine episodes, episode one is definitely the slowest, the more traditional carbon copy. This is going to be the story of of a of a rising star, and it just you know it's very drawn out, mm-hmm. very slow. And I get it, you know, you're trying to establish these characters, and a lot of it's kind of lukewarm the way they kind of you know it's the typical mom hispanic mom character typical hispanic dad and this is just based off first impressions and then of course selena had her scene where the dad is like in the kitchen and you hear her you know singing, singing from outside and, and catching and then, fireflies and then the dad is like oh what is that you know just you know you've seen it a thousand times yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you if you've seen any documentary or movie where it's based on a child prodigy you've seen this the mm-hmm. scene play out it's a beautiful mind sort of thing yeah, yeah exactly um so so they go through the motions of what you think, going to um, playing at local restaurants, uh, just going through the hardships, stuff like that. Um, uh, from there, it does definitely pick up. But uh, do you want to touch a little bit more on that? Yeah, I think. Well, first, I do want to go ahead and I have to say is that one of the things that I was looking forward to the most when watching this film is because most of us have already seen the movie. Right. So we already know the J-Lo movie. Uh, we've already seen Selena in her best, most charismatic, more most charming light. And what I wanted to see out of this, the, um, out of this. On the J-Lo movie? Yeah. You think that was like the best portrayal of her? 
I thought, I mean, outside of like her actual like um, YouTube videos and stuff, that's really the only really? portrayal we've ever had. That's kind of controversial. You know why? Why? People hate that portrayal of, of, of Selena. Who's people? Like, who are people? Are the Hispanic like... community. A lot of people hate. Really? I mean, you, uh, you've heard like, because she's Puerto Rican, people hated that choice to begin with. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. hate that, that they didn't actually cast a Mexican Well, you know, like portrayal. Christina Serrato is like half Mexican, half Italian, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, at least, but at least they they almost got there. Yeah, yeah, they, <laughs> they they halfway got there. They almost got there. Yeah. Um, a lot of people they didn't like the betrayal of the family. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of things to nitpick at. I'm just mm-hmm. going off of what I've heard. And a lot of people don't. A lot of people, like I said, because that that audience is mainly Hispanic people who watch that movie, and a lot of people don't really like it. A lot of Hispanic people don't really like that. See, movie. and I mean. It's mixed, uh, though. There are a lot of people that love it. But that's, are, what, that's what I was about to say, because everybody that I know that's ever seen that movie, you know, like, they they wear the t-shirts, they wear the makeup, they love that movie, you and know. And I think because it's, like, one of the only true adaptation that's kind of, like, this feeling of, like, well, this is kind of all we got, so let's just... Embrace take, it. Embrace it. Yeah. But at the same time, like I said, there is that side of the... There, there is that side of people, that camp of people who are, like... This is really bad. We don't want this. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Well, um, uh, all of that being said is that, uh, again, what I wanted to see out of Selena is I wanted to see more into, like, uh, first, I wanted to see more of her personality, like, underneath all, like, the all like the smiles and the charming and the, and the charisma. But more so than anything else, I wanted to know more about her family. I wanted to know more about her siblings and the dynamic that they had with her, like, one-on-one and, like, interconnected as a family. Um, the first couple of episodes, like Ricardo said, you don't really get that. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of uh, drawn out and it's uh, kind of very vanilla. But it does progressively get a lot better. And by the end of it, I found myself thoroughly enjoying it. And I mean, at one point, like, uh, not to give too much away, but I ended up like bursting into tears and crying hysterically because you know, that's who I am as a person. That's so, and this doesn't. This happens uh, with any kind of genre, by the way. Yeah. We could be watching a comedy, you know, filled with nothing but fart jokes, and she'll find a way to, to cry. To cry. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a talent. It's a super skill. What can I say? But, okay, so um, after the first couple of episodes of introducing her as a kid, what we then go into is, you know... Um, we go into a lot of them trying to make it as just the family. And um, I find that one of the more fascinating parts of this series is that they focus very heavily on what they focus very heavily on, like the behind the scenes of the industry. And of course, like that follows certain tropes of, you know, behind the music, behind the scenes, um, uh, documentary style things where, you know, it's them against the label and, and like them fight, uh, like fighting for their own individual individuality and image and all of this and that and the other. And a prime example of that is, you know, Selena is known for her fashion. And in one of them, you know, they have a whole entire episode where, you know, her identity and who she is, because fun fact, like the one thing that I learned a lot about her that I didn't know prior to this. And one of the things that I learned about her is that she changed her hair all of the time, especially as a teenager, which makes sense because you think of any other teenager, you know, they're going to change their look like every couple of like months or so, um, you know, because that's who they are. They're trying to find themselves. They're trying to find their, the identity. And with this movie, you see her constantly dyeing her hair, perming her hair, straightening her hair. And I really liked how in certain things they really went into a lot of detail. Yes, uh, for sure. I mean, and and I like that 
too because it does try to give this portrayal of Selena being the normal um you know there's there's this good thing I really liked about the series where it, it really sets a precedent of this is not just a Mexican girl and I know those are like the scene that like really impacted you when it came to like really showing that just because you're Mexican or can't speak Spanish doesn't make you any less of, of a Mexican or just because you're trying to embrace this Mexican side of you doesn't make you any less American and it really sets up this this notion that Selena's not the only one out here like that there are plenty of girls mm-hmm. who feel the way that she's trying to uh embrace her culture and I even be like um and still love Janet Jackson yeah. and Cher and all of them and honestly like growing up as a little girl like I wouldn't even call myself the biggest Selena fanatic even though I completely appreciate what she's you know the impact and the influence that she has for the culture but uh, one of the things that I did connect with her the most growing up was that detail about her the fact that she didn't really know any English growing up and she had to teach herself for the sake of the band when she was like 10 or even like younger mm-hmm. and it just she was so so American whatever the hell that means and she was so so Mexican again whatever the hell that means you know because she was she was both things all at once and that's a lot of what here she was her own person and that's that's mm-hmm. one of the other things that the that the series tries to stress is that she was able to come across as genuine and as, and as uh charismatic and likable as she was because she always stayed true to herself you know she didn't have to cater to you know she had to you know do some things when it came to like pleasing uh, her audience of course you know and that's why you know she had to learn spanish but even then she never compromised who she truly was you know uh Mm -hmm. there was always this this thing instilled in her that what she's doing is for the band and for the family and to be able to succeed but it never you never saw her acting any 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 differently than what she always was deep down inside. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, with all of that, um, the the quote that actually got to me while we were watching the series is when uh, I think that she and her dad were talking to like a record exec or something like that, and uh, she uh, her dad was defending her, and he said something along the lines of, um, "She's an American girl that just so happens to be able to sing in Spanish." And I don't know why, but maybe it was a way that he was yelling at the time because it was a dr- very dramatic point in the series or what but it just sent me over the edge and again like that's uh one of the very many reasons that we love uh that we find this important in the representation and again a lot of what this podcast is about but um yeah another thing that i loved about the series is i got to know so much so much of like selena songs than i knew than i didn't know before uh we were talking about this while we were watching it is the fact that you know most people know Bitty Bitty Bomb Bomb. They know Como La Flor. They know Amor Prohibido. They know all of the hits. But you don't really hear any of the hits until the last couple of episodes. And I thought it was what you hear instead when they do sing in the first beginning couple of episodes is a bunch of the lesser known songs. And that gives, I thought that it gave the viewer a chance to really know her, her discography from top to bottom in a sense. And even like... For the people that think that they know all of her, for the people that think that they know like all of her music and stuff, for them to be exposed to something new. And I just thought it was a really well-rounded way to approach her music. And I absolutely love that. 
Yeah, definitely uh, took his time in marinating the the early years, and it just didn't like really rush through. And just played the uh, and, and hits. started and started going to like when she was signed and all that. No, it it, it showed the grind that she, that her and her family went through when it came to playing these little shows. You know, feelings covers. Very, it started off with a bunch of English covers, yeah. Right, and and the, it shows like them struggling with with uh having to be on food stamps at one point, and you know just uh feeling like they they weren't gonna catch a break as far as uh, their music and just their personal life in general, and then yeah, you start you start they start writing down their own songs. Uh, AB starts writing the songs, and uh, which is you know Selena's uh, older brother for people who don't know, and. From there, they started, you know, actually recording them. And then that's when we see the first few songs manifest into what we know as uh, eventually her first album. And then, uh, but even prior to then, you know, you start hearing the, the little song that, that A.B. and Selena are creating. And how it was all put together, right? right? Yeah. I know I saw a lot of criticism recently where a lot of people thought that the series focused a little bit too much on A.B. and mm-hmm. the father. I, I partly agree. I think there is a lot of focus on them. And not so much on Selena at, at times, uh, but I don't know. I, I think I have to sit down with that uh, with that argument a little bit more to see if it's justified. Uh, I think I think that's an interesting. I think that's an interesting take, but I don't. But I almost want to sort of forgive it because I don't necessarily hate the idea of that. Because again, um, what I wanted to go into um, going into watching the series is I wanted to learn more about everyone else beyond just her around her now uh we can go ahead and take a mini deep dive into characters right now because uh one person that i really wanted to learn more about in the series was suzette and um uh, for everyone you know that's selena's sister the drummer of the band and it's funny because i saw so much I saw so many interesting things that could have been made with her. Uh, the majority of the time that she's in the series, you know, she's um, Selena's right hand woman. You know, she's helping navigate. She's four years older than her. Right. So uh, Suzette is helping Selena navigate through like boys and life and everything, as well as, you know, you know, putting outfits together for the for the shows y todo eso but it feels like the one thing that the show does consistently is that i feel like everyone but it, everyone especially suzette is always asking if and this is like just a pet peeve of mine is always asking if selena's okay like how are you doing selena how are you feeling selena what are you thinking about selena which i know it's a show about selena but there there are other people around her too and that's why i don't mind the fact that i got to know ab and the father a little better i do feel like it focused on the father a lot you know as a as the patriarch of the family um i kind of understand but i feel like i would have been happier if it was more evenly yoked to the um to the sister as well or maybe even the mother because that was the flattest character out of everyone there um but yeah that's just like a mini take on some of my thoughts on the characters what about you ricardo yeah i mean but you just bring up the mom i I knew from like probably episode two i'm like yeah she's not gonna get any screen time yeah i mean and you could usually tell she there's, did it was so bland there's always gonna be that one character that just you know doesn't really get that much de- development however this is part one so if you read the, mm-hmm. the title of the series on netflix it says part one episode blah blah whatever um so 
there is definitely going to be a, and you know, it, it leaves on a cliffhanger, you know, once you get to the end. So, you know, there's going to be a, a season two, part two, whatever you want to call it. And you know, when it's ma- going to be come out because of COVID, though, this is a whole different argument. Right. Yes. Yeah. We don't know if it's been already uh, filmed and produced and just like kind of hold on to it until like a couple of months pass to like drop it. Or if they're still in the process of filming or if they even started filming and, you know, it may be delayed because of the pandemic is still ongoing. Either way, the mom definitely doesn't really have a huge development. I mean, I think right before, I think it was the last episode or second last episode, they had that flashback talking about how her how and her dad met. And that, yeah. and that, that was like, the closest thing the character development she had was saying how, how she and the husband met, which inevitably was still kind of about the husband. Yeah, her and her husband. Yeah, because I think she she was in it, and she it, I don't think she even talked in the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. I think it was literally just him uh, at his job and then saying he's going to quit to pursue his yeah, music. Yeah, you're right. And in the flashback that she had, she it was still about him and his job and everything else. She was in there for like half a second. She, like, I call bullshit on all that. All she did was stare Fuck. at him. All she did was stare at him when he pulled up in the convertible. And then when they were leaving, hold, holding the baby, the holding mm. the baby in, in, the, in the front seat in the convertible. Yeah, that, that you pointed out was like dangerous. I was like, as hell. that can't be legal. Maybe, maybe uh, times were different in the '60s, but if you're holding your baby in a convertible in the passenger seat, like, bro, yeah, so that was hilarious. Hopefully, the mom eventually gets a uh, a much better suited or more involved, especially when we know what's coming up soon mm-hmm. in the life of Selena after this part one is has been over, yeah. and we know the chapter in her life that she's about to go into. I would want to say that the mom probably gets more involved, mm-hmm. but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Either way, though, uh, Selena's... Um, I know that you were very partial to AB. You connected with AB really quickly, right? Yeah, yeah, but forget that, man, for a while. Okay, uh, let, okay. Let's, talk, let's talk about Selena right quick. Okay. Uh, I think uh, Christina Serrato did an amazing job mm-hmm. portraying Selena. Uh, one thing I kept bringing up to, to Veronica is that I hated the Texas accent on, on Selena. I didn't hear it, but maybe I just like, I, I, I live in it. Texas, so I don't notice. I, well, that's the thing because when I, when you have a Texas accent and it's done well, mm-hmm. cool. Their Texas accent was not done Their well. Their accent. And that's yeah. what, and that's what kept throwing me off. I kept hearing like the traditional twang. Like that's what I kept hearing. Like the I didn't stereotypical, hear any of that, but I this twang, like you're trying too hard to like yeah. put on the accent. I'm just like, oh, please stop it. Just talk normal. Yeah. Uh, either way, Christina Serrato, she did a good job. Uh, Noemi Gonzalez, who played uh, Suzette, mm-hmm. she did an amazing character. Even even though she didn't have like the deepest um, character, character development. development, I mean, she they showed her uh, getting with a boyfriend. You know, she got a boyfriend. Yeah. They talked about. Um, I mean, there was one episode that kind of kind of yeah. My the, favorite episode. I know what you're about to say. That's probably the the episode that. It it is focused on. It's not really focused on her, but by I think the it's end, like episode three. I think it's three or four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but by the end, you it's kind of it kind of like throws you for a loop, and you realize, oh crap, this episode was kind of like about her in a roundabout kind of way, mm-hmm. without it, without directly saying like, hey, this episode about kind of her, which yeah. which I think was nice, uh, to really touch on somebody else besides Selena. Selena, yeah. Yeah. So, um, A B, I think. I I don't know what really what did I say about him what what drew me to him again? Um. Oh well. I mean, other than that, other than the fact that he was the family's producer, he told it. So it was also, I think it was the way that he interacted with his dad sometimes, or the way that he took on all the respon- uh, a lot of the responsibility and got like zero 
like just without asking i forgot what exactly what it was but yeah i think if i remember what it was that he always saw the vision that his dad wasn't seeing a lot of times and was like very stubborn and stern about it mm-hmm. and because of him the i mean part a huge part of you know selena's success is due to him mm-hmm. and i don't think as much hard, as much as he was trying as much as he eventually had a kid and a wife that he had to take care of, he was always putting in 110%. It was always very, uh, like how I see myself, is uh, very meticulous with the small things. And yes, just, that's what it was, yeah. yeah. And very zoned in. Mm-hmm. And that's how his character is portrayed a lot, where he knows what he wants, he goes for it, and he doesn't stop until he gets it and his just way. Just right, yeah. Just, just right his way. And, uh, I, you know, I... Like I said, I, I uh, see a lot of myself in that mm-hmm. just because, you know, a lot of my characteristic is, you know, taking on a task, focusing on it and really making it my own. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. I get that. And uh, I think that um, overall, another thing that I had uh, wanted to see and like you keep saying, there's going to be a part two to this. So it it might just come to that. But I wanted a, a lot to see like the intersectional family dynamics of what it's like to like live in a family when one person is clearly the star. Because in the first couple of episodes, you know, like Selena, they don't make Selena right away like the sole focus of the band. But very quickly, you can see that it automatically turns into that. And it, in real life, I mean, seemingly in real life, the Selena that we know, you know, stayed humble throughout the uh, throughout you know her life she never let it get to her head or anything else as far as we know i personally i mean real talk i would think that it would be uh, hard for any human being to receive that amount of attention not just from outside forces like your your record label and your fans y todo eso but if you're receiving that sort of like spotlight all the time inside your own family dynamic it would be hard not to have some sort of elevated sense of self um whether that's in a good way or in a bad way um because even celebrities they'll say a lot of times that one of the things they love most about coming home is that everyone treats them just you know like they're like the cousin so-and-so you know so I thought um, I was uh, I thought the dynamic that they portrayed was going to be different than what it was. But I mean, we were even talking about the fact that um, when it comes when it comes to supposedly Suzette and A.B. or Abraham or executive producers on the show. Right. I know. I don't know about A.B. I know Suzette and Abraham, the father. Right. Yes. The father. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you're not talking about uh, the son. No. Yeah. Because his name is Abraham, too. They, yeah, they, yeah, They just yeah. call him Abraham for short. They call him Abraham for short, but yeah, Abraham's the father. Yeah, yeah, yeah the father. Uh, I know Suzette is for sure, mm-hmm. uh, the sister. I don't know about um, Abraham Sr. Mm-hmm. I don't know about him, which I thought he was dead, but I think he's still alive. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I, I think he still is alive. I don't know. I, I, I kind of disagree when you talk about the whole fi- family dynamic, because the way I look at it is that when you clearly see, and I think, and I think, a, B, and Suzette were also humble enough in themselves. Just and, take a step back. And, yeah, and confident them in themselves to be like, especially since they're a lot older too, mm-hmm. and they're probably able to realize a lot quicker, like, oh, crap, we really have something on our hands. and Like we, if she eats, we eat sort of thing. Right, yeah, right, yeah. We really have to like, 
kind of put our ego ego aside mm-hmm. and you know it's it, you know i'm pretty sure they had their disagreements like any other family i wanted to see that you never see them fight once in this i just wanted to see them like tussle it out i think they got into one disagreement one time i think it was near the end you know when it comes to you know selena's boyfriend which everybody knows about etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah but other than that like, and also with the family being involved in the show they would probably want to keep stuff like that exactly. out. Exactly. That's what drives me yeah. crazy. I would think that. Um, I mean, but this is just me. Be, like, they don't want to be portrayed in a bad light. I too. want my dirty laundry aired if I ever get a biopic about me. You know why? Because it makes for a more interesting story. Right. I really do. But I've read uh, things on AB and, and Suzette, and they've never been portrayed in that light, at least when they were mm-hmm. younger. But yeah. I think they always knew that Selena was going to be the star. How of- many years older is AB from Selena? Oh, crap. He's like... He, he was, was born, significantly he was born, older. He was born in 63, I think. And Selena was born in 71. So he was probably like eight years older or something crazy yeah. like that. Because yeah. I think it goes... Well, that makes sense. It, goes, the, it goes AB, Suzette, and then Selena. Yeah. yeah that makes and, sense uh, then. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he's the oldest for sure. So I think they knew from a very early age. And I'm pretty sure their father being the way he was, he probably like put him in there like, hey, you have to make sure that she is the one that rises to the top. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, you know, it's like the Michael Jackson thing. You know, you knew that the youngest kid had all the talent. Yeah, but even you watch a lot of like. Uh, yeah, no, Mike- the Jackson 5 family, the scar- if you watch the documentaries, you watch the movie, the American They Dream, had a lot of like they, inner conflicts. They did. And that's what I was expecting a little bit out of this. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, us, uh, us Latinos, we're tight. We're a tight knit community. But that doesn't mean like we don't have our disagreements and shit, just like anybody else would in that kind of situation. So maybe you're right. Maybe they were all ho hum and kumbaya, you know, behind closed doors. Uh, and maybe I just don't want to accept it. You know, maybe I want something saucier. Who the heck knows? Yeah. Yeah, you're over here wanting a. Uh more spice in your yeah uh, yeah yeah in, yeah, yeah. In, in the uh in the world of uh selena and her family right right well uh let's see what else what else what else and, and i guess like one more thing to add to that is that one thing that you will uh you will notice a lot uh in this series besides the besides the usage of the word ronca will also be um People giving Selena a lot and lot of advice and a lot, a lot of talks about pep talks about how she's going to be a star. And um, I guess that's to be expected for a coming of age thing. And maybe again, maybe it's just that I have high standards uh, or like different standards uh, for the way that I wanted this to go. But all that to be said is that um, overall, like I said, I really enjoyed it. Um, we have opinions for about the first couple of episodes and um, during the middle it really starts to pick up I think near the end is where I personally got really hooked it's um, it's like the energy picked back up and all of a sudden you see like what's really at stake for Selena and the family and you really everything about Selena starts to make sense because in the beginning in the beginning in the first couple of episodes I thought that she was sort of like a li- portrayed as a little bit shallow you know because she just wanted to focus on her looks and her hair and her makeup but near the end of episodes they really start fleshing out a lot of who she is as a person besides the lead singer and her other passions that she had and everything else like that and how much she always wanted to you know design and and uh and do makeup and have her own jewelry line and all of that and again another reason why i love that is because it shows selena just like all of us was a very multifaceted individual and she had all of these different wants wants that didn't always correlate with each other just like you know the ability to 
the ability to sing in Spanish and still want to come out with an English album. And um, they have, uh, I think she and uh, one of the guys on tour were having a conversation and uh, they said something along the lines, oh, they were talking about a record and they said um, that everyone always has a B-side. And I feel like that quote is so, is so, I guess is so telling of what a lot of this series represents for the artist that is Selena, but also for the audience that they're trying to target now um, with Netflix and with the company, too, that went ahead and produced it. So I love that, though. I love that, you know, you may call it shallow or, you know, you call, you saw it as shallow in the beginning because mm-hmm. you don't care about her looks or, you know, just very superficial type mm-hmm. of stuff. But I think I, I love that about her because it showed her being a teenager, mm-hmm. which she was. Yeah. You know, and what teenagers really care about a lot of times is boys, especially teenage girls, is, you know, boys a lot of times, their hair, their makeup, their looks, you know, there's no shame in that fashion. You know, you know, girls are going to be girls, you know, not all of them, but a, a big majority of them care about that stuff. And there's no shame in that. Uh, but when it was time to get down to business, when she was on that stage, it was always professional, yeah. 110%. And I love that about people. I love, you know, there's a lot of rappers who you hear their subject matter and they're like on point. And they're super woke, know, they're super woke, but yeah, then, yeah, but yeah, then yeah. you catch them on the gram and they flex a hundred thousand dollar chain. They rocking the Gucci shoes. They're rocking the. Are they talking know, about something the, completely ignorant? Yeah, exactly. Are they playing Madden for like twelve exactly. hours straight exactly. on the bus? They're, they're you just know? chill. They're yeah. chill as hell. They're chill as hell. They're just a normal everyday dude or woman. That's also what made her so relatable to so many people. And yeah. I love that about people. Do you know? Yeah. In their in their the, real personal life, they're you know just chilling on the couch with their son playing xbox but when it comes down to the music when it comes down to your art it's 110 percent. you and there's no there's no weak spots you know yeah. you don't see any you don't see any crevices yeah like it's, it's straight up, it's, it's straight business at the end of the day and that's what yeah. i love about that's that's the realest type of people to me when mm-hmm. you can really produce 110 percent projects and material but then just you know be a complete ignorant fool t- throwing 20 bands at the strip club man that's what i'm all about Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely and i think that uh, i i think that at the end of the day i loved it i loved it i didn't expect to love it but i really did um what i i want to know maybe this is a little bit too early in the game ricardo and i didn't i, I didn't think that we were going to be doing this but i'm really curious so i have to ask you how many ricardo uh stars does it get seven 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 huh. out of ten solid yeah i think it's um it's not perfect, but it's entertaining and it's enjoyable and it has a lot of heart. I'll definitely, uh, yeah, for all those reasons, for sure. Uh, I'll definitely say anybody who's a fan, of course, is going to watch it. Or if you, if you're, even if you're just curious, I'll definitely check it out. Like I said, it's a very, I don't want to say average, even though 7 is like the average score. Mm-hmm. Um, above average, for sure, in some ways and in some other ways, kind of lackluster. But overall, a solid, a solid, solid show. I think a lot of work behind, uh, went into it, of course. Uh, all the actors were great for the most part. And I don't think I could ask, well, you could always ask for more, but with this being such a new entry point when it comes to the Hispanic community finally getting like the shows. Mainstream attention. I think it's a good first attempt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully it will get better from here on out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I would give it a solid uh, 7.5 out of 10. So I would say that it's slightly above average. And I say that only because of the last couple of episodes, I like thoroughly enjoyed way more than I thought I was going to. Um, I think that 
at the end of the day when it came to this series um like you said it's going to be really important because it's I remember when it first came out, we were we had to actually search it up on Netflix. We had to keyboard it in when normally if anybody who watches Netflix knows if you're looking for a big, big show right now, they have that like scaling system where they have like the top 10 Netflix top 10. movies. Yeah. Yes. So the first day that it came out, we had to search it up on the keyboard. Yeah, it was nowhere to be found. But today, mm-hmm. Sunday, you know, uh, December 6th, if we're recording this, it's now number one on Netflix. So I don't mm-hmm. know if people forgot that it had came out which is understandable with COVID and everything going on you never know when these shows are dropping now mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to keep up with the schedule on netflix and with any streaming platform it's just kind of happening i mean when Bro, we saw speak for yourself i have my notifications on for that hoe no yeah. like like for me at least i'm <laughs> yeah. not really uh when it comes to like i don't think i have any notification can you even put notifications on on netflix and stuff mm-hmm. like that yeah you, you can, can you can set a little button on your phone that says remind me and you'll just get a notification oh really, when it really oh, i never i never do that yeah uh when it comes to like streaming stuff i'd never do that so mm-hmm. i never know when stuff is dropping i just kind of turn it on and if i see it or if i just happen to like be looking up shows on some sort of blog then i'll probably know about it but yeah as of now it is number one but i'm i want to say you know, Netflix algorithm algorithm is very weird. So sometimes it's kind of hard for people to either remember that's out or uh, maybe just didn't pop on under feed. But you would figure that a show is, I wouldn't say it's like the most monumental, but it is big enough for a lot of reasons. Would have gotten more promotion because it wasn't even on the front page at all. Not even like. like I mean, but t- it is now. Yeah, it but like now. forget the top 10. When it premiered, when you it, mm-hmm. when, that's the day you should be pushing it the most. Mm-hmm. It should be like at the banner, the very top banner, where you can like. You hear like that new- Netflix? You're underrepresenting us again. Yeah, I'm like, like, <laughs> like, like something's not mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Like so- something's kind of sus with, yeah. with Netflix. I, I, I need to. I, I'm not. I wasn't cool with that when I saw that. That kind of sad. That didn't sit right with me. So yeah, but I mean, the good thing about all of that is that now that we see it's number one, and now that Netflix will hopefully be getting those numbers that people are watching and binging this mo- uh, th- this series all the way through. I mean, this is a big the re- This is a big opportunity for. Because Netflix is worldwide, you know, um, just like we're over here watching, you know, anime and the like. K-dramas. Yes, and K-dramas and all of the like, and all of that. This is an opportunity for people from Japan to like learn about the history of Selena, you know, uh, people from, you know, Italy, people from all over the place to really get a grasp and an interest in like Latinx media. And Selena is big, you know, Mm -hmm. she's worldwide. Like there's everybody in the world knows who she is. Exactly. You know, she may not be as big as she is here in America, but you go to India, you go to the UK, you go to Japan for sure. They know who Selena is. So you know, it is a good. It gives a good chance for them to finally like see her portrayed in some other form of media. You know, besides the the J Lo movie, and you know, it's sad to say, but most of the time when we talk about Selena before the series, it was mainly about her death. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very rare that you would find something that would be willing to touch on her life the way that this series is. And, uh, you know, I, I would say, you know, there's definitely stuff to improve on. But I think they did, a like I said, for first time effort, they did a really good job. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, another thing to note is that the production company that made this movie, Campanario Productions, um, 
they it's actually one of the bigger projects that they have made and uh the head of uh, the production com- uh, company i believe that his name is i have it here jaime davila um he um there's a few articles written where he where he's basically follows the same sentiment where he is stressing about how this series is more than just about you know getting selena's name out there even though we do want people to know her and to remember her for a new generation and for you know people across the world but it's almost like a uh testing um it's almost like a testing uh content of sorts to finally let people know just like you always say ricardo that hey we as like latinos latinas latinx is like we've been here and like it's time for us it's it's interesting because i remember a part of the series um where they were you know fighting back and forth with the record label about you know how they should categorize um selena as in you know whether she's a latin artist whether she's a pop um, artist a pop artist a traditional pop artist and one of the things that the that the executive from uh, campanario jaime he says that with the content makers uh with latinx content makers we've always been put in oh this is when it comes to podcasts youtube videos or even movies oh this is a latin movie oh this is this is a latino podcast like we're put in subgenres even if you open up spotify or um or any of those streaming services we're put in like little um we're put like for la cultura like um subgenres but what happened like it like one day we want to get to a point where we can imagine the fact that you know we are just that we deserve to be mainstream that we don't have to be subjugated to like this one particular that being latin that being latinx and having this content is just as american as the next person and this series for Jaime Dalvila and Campanario Productions is like a test tube is a testing ground to see how Netflix and how the audience is going to react to that. And I'm really excited how that turns out and what they make of it. Yeah, I'm always um, up and supportive of, of projects and production and people who are willing to move in that direction to really break the stigma and get away from, you know, there doesn't just have to be media based on, you know, Hispanic people in cartels. <laughs> there doesn't or have immigration. To, that, not immigration, that that's not important, but or, yeah. Or, or gangbangers in East L.A. Like, there's so many other facets of the Hispanic, so Latino many stories. So many stories that so many other people could relate to, but just aren't being given that proper platform to speak, you know? And, you know, it's really time to get out of this way of thinking that only certain stories can apply to Hispanic people when... We live the lives of so many, you know, there's not just a one straight narrative when it comes to Hispanic people. It's all about these different stories, given a chance to really be told in a a well-done format. Exactly, exactly. All kinds of themes y todo, mi gente. Uh, But uh, I think that about uh, rounds it out about our recap for Selena, the series. Do you have anything else you want to add? Uh, let me talk about the bad right quick. Oh yes, what, what yes. I hated, okay. what I hated the most. Mm-hmm. Number one, um, the lip singing to me was terrible. Probably <laughs> the worst part of everything was the. You know, J Lo lip synced too yeah, in she the did. movie. Yeah, she did, but that was a, that had a bigger budget. So, yeah. so that was she was able to get away with a little bit uh-huh. more with that. This one being a Netflix series, 
and being like the first project from this new production company mm-hmm. didn't have the biggest budget and you can clearly tell oh my gosh yes i forgot about yeah, that the green bro. screen the car the, the green screen when they're driving yes the yeah. green screen when they're driving and something else i forgot what it was it's like their shots were really weird sometimes um yeah. but yeah 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 i get what you're saying yeah the biggest thing is the lip singing there because i don't have a problem with lip singing because i don't expect christina serato um you know to be to, able to sing Susie it out Crabgrass, like, belt it to out be able like to belt it out like like selena yes. yes obviously she was gonna have to be lip singing but mm-hmm. the way they do it and the way they kind of sync the audio this is like a more technical thing because i just mm-hmm. noticed it um the way they kind of sync the audio with her lips she, it's kind of like off a little and i don't know I, it was just very very weak when it came to the lip singing all around uh i think um the one who played um uh, what was the name uh, dude with the long hair, the one that was the, the other singer, uh, Pete. Pete. Yeah, he did a he. I I think he was actually singing. There was yeah, he was actually was singing. He? Yeah, huh. he was actually singing because if you if you notice, there was some parts where he was like clearly zoomed in. You could clearly hear like, oh, that's his voice. Mm-hmm. So he did a really good job of uh, singing. So yeah, he did a good job, but the lip singing for the majority of the series was pretty. Um, yeah. and then second thing that I didn't like was the uh, portrayal of a. Uh, Mexico and southern Texas. Yeah. Uh, Go into detail about that. Like, so, let me know what you think. So, for people who know about the betrayal of Mexico and, like, popular media, it's, it's defined by two things. Desert, this is a stereotypical way of doing it. Desert and the yellow dirty filter. Mm-hmm. And when you apply those things, you're in Mexico, according mm-hmm. to... mainstream media you're in mexico once you apply that dirty hazy piss yellow filter and you're in the desert with like a nopal somewhere in the background that's mexico and everybody around you is poor dirt rose wearing a wearing wearing a a beanie and and sombreros yeah or serape Serape. yeah um so yeah i mean and they kind of went with that again even and even some of the border towns in the valley in, in texas there were people on reddit and Twitter saying like that's not Brownsville. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're right. I could like um I do kind of wish that it would have been more of a uh that location would have been more of a character. You know, especially when they mentioned quite a couple of times that hey, I'm just a girl from Corpus Christi, yada yada mm-hmm. yada. Like we see it in movies like Bernie, where and maybe Bernie like Bernie like Texas was an entire East Texas was a whole character in and of itself you know and maybe they wouldn't have I mean East Texas is real life as a character yes (laughs) yes exactly and it was portrayed so well in that one particular movie and maybe we we shouldn't expect you know I don't know what they had working with like you said budget wise to Netflix to uh, include that kind of dedication to you know Southern Texas with Corpus and Mexico but it would have been nice to have seen it, a little more fleshed out. No, I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, better representation because the creator of that production company, um, he's from down there. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand why they went with the stereotypical way of portraying border towns in Mexico like they always do. Uh, maybe the bigger overarching studio maybe decided to go with a different way of like filming this location. Maybe they thought it was probably money at the end of the day. Maybe it was like cheaper to film in this location, which I understand. But yeah. still, I mean, could put a little bit more creativity into the 
the redundant standard thing we've seen. And they when it comes they're to not going to get the accents right. There's no way they were going to get the accent. The accent were actually pretty spot on. Right. The Mexican accents were pretty good. No, I thought you were talking about the Texan accent, silly. Oh, oh, tex- uh, yeah, Texan yeah, accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mexican, the Mexican accents that they have were yeah. actually really, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But no, nah, not the Texan one. Those are still pretty trash. For sure. Uh, but yeah, those are my only two big Nick picks when it comes to. When it comes to the uh, the series, gotcha, gotcha. You already know mine. Um, uh, mine are more thematic and base. I just wanted a little more, um, like dynamics between like the family and the siblings, and I just wanted to see more of Suzette. Um, so I th- those were like two of my bigger nitpicks. Yeah, no, I think uh, overall, you know, uh, definitely, definitely, like uh, me and Ricardo said, give it a watch. You know, uh, go ahead and go through the series, and then. Go out and uh, ride and bump to some of our old stuff because that's definitely what I'm going to be doing over the next couple of days. Uh, yeah, so what we're going to go ahead and uh, slip into now is we're going to give you a very, very quick um, segment of Good Looking Out. This is where we go ahead and we tell you what we've been into lately besides all things Selena. Um, this week, uh, we uh, went ahead and we uh, dove into some Christmas uh, movies and some specials. Um, today, um, this week, we watched The Happiest Season. And this is on Hulu. This is so many of my favorite actresses were on here. Who was it? It was um, Aubrey Plaza, Kristen Stewart. Mm-hmm. There was one other. Uh, uh, Brie. Allison Brie. Allison Brie. Yes. So um, some of my favorite actresses were on this movie. And it's uh, it's kind of a dramedy, I would say. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a lighthearted dramedy about. R- dramedy, rom-com. Dramedy rom-com and uh, it is set in the Christmas season and it's uh, I think that it's basically the story about a uh, girl that uh, has a lover and she's uh, she's a lesbian and her family doesn't know it yet and uh, she basically she wants she invites her lover who is played by who is it? Kristen Stewart. Yeah, Kristen mm-hmm. Stewart was the lover. And I forget who played the main chick. Because um, it wasn't Alison Brie or no, Aubrey Plaza. It was... Uh, I don't know her. Uh, she was in that... She was in uh, The Martian. So have you seen The Martian with uh, with Matt Damon? She yeah, wasn't... okay. So The Martian Lady, because we don't know mm-hmm. her actress, because we're super prepared. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> um, they, uh, top top tier research here right 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 super top tier and uh so the martian lady uh, tells Kristen stewart that she's gonna go ahead and she's gonna take uh take her to her family to go introduce her but little the the families like involved uh, the family's dad is involved in politics and this that and the other so uh they can't um so um, the martian lady is like well wait hold on why don't you we just pretend that you're my roommate and then i'll find a good day to sort of like over the course of five days to you know break the news and let them know that that I'm a lesbian and that, you know, we're planning on building a life together because little does she know that Kristen Stewart's going to propose to her. And, uh, yeah, uh, chaos ensues. Uh, what was your impression of the movie, Ricardo? Oh, I really loved it. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to the conservative and Republicans on Twitter who were getting mad, who didn't want to let the gays have this movie. Uh, it was y'all so were, good. Y'all, y'all, I mean, but yeah, but you just heard what I said, right? Conservative yes. Republican, of course they're going to have a problem with this movie. Y'all need to get you over with yourself. Let let the LGBT have one Christmas gay movie. It, uh, it was, and the thing is, is that it didn't even feel like a Christmas gay movie. It didn't. Like, it, no. The parts where they were like showing like uh, where they were having little public displays of affection or where they were just like cuddled up on a couch or having a conversation were so 
sweet and not even in the saccharine like or saccharine uh like way of like oh like we have to show them that they're in love and they're just like everybody else like it was literally just like little touching moments yeah yeah for sure they really Kristen did a, stewart did that shit in the martian lady you no know? they did a really great job of like really portraying this as just a, a a loving couple during the the season of christmas not hey it's christmas but gay kind yeah, of thing exactly it, it was not that at all it wasn't that at all no they really and like i said this is this should go across the board for any type of a community or, or subgroup whatever you want to call yourself um you know just being portrayed as humans and mm-hmm. not having this these stereotypes and stigma mm-hmm. planted uh, um against what you identify as and i think that uh, on that same note of that another thing that i think that it did well even though that it made it very like you said it it was very obvious that it was you know um a movie that was centered around uh around two lovers and their issues but it was not hey christmas but gay at the same time they still dealt with issues that normal like heteronormative straight people would not have had to have deal with so they balance it out by like like having representation but not putting themselves in a box in order to push that representation forward right and it was funny it was funny as hell too so yeah and the overarching uh message that i got was we all have problems Mm -hmm. you know don't think that you're the only one that that is a mess up that's a screw up that's doing everything wrong in life when everybody around you has some secrets and demon that they're dealing with too Mm-hmm. And once you all finally can like get it all out there, it can really bring y'all a lot closer as a family, as friends, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so and another big overarching message is that Kristen Stewart and Aubrey Plaza make fabulous lesbians. So. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, I mean, Kristen Stewart always has given me the the lesbian vibe. Yeah, but Aubrey Plaza made a fantastic gay person. Like yeah. she just, she just, uh her acting was sublime in this, and I, I loved it a lot. I give it a solid, like eight out of ten Veronica stars for sure. I give it a good eight. I mm-hmm. give it eight. Yeah. yeah, eight out of ten. It was, it was, it was, it was uh, nice. It was endearing. The acting was. Um, a little bit above average. Wasn't that thing superb? Uh, the setting was very Christmassy. I think it was set in. It was just a generally really feel good romantic. What was movie. it set in Ohio? I think I, or something like that. I don't know. Somewhere it snowed. It wasn't Texas. Let me tell you that. Yeah, no, it was not Texas. Yeah. I think it was like Ohio, Massachusetts. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, good film. It was originally supposed to come out in theaters, which I figured out today. It was not supposed to be like a streaming only kind of thing. It was because of COVID that this thing was ultimately dropped on the streaming services. But regardless. Still a good film. Yeah. So, but, and because it was dropped on the streaming services, again, Hulu, happiest season, catch it wherever you have the internets. Uh, but that was it for this week's podcast, human beings. Thank you so much for tuning in, mi gente, and we will catch you next week. We out. <laughs>